You're listening to another hope-filled podcast from Life. For more information about our church, visit lifenz.org. So great to be connecting. I want to encourage everyone, again, whatever campus, if you're online tonight and you haven't been a part of our series called Heartbeat, that you go online and listen to the podcasts and uh, just get up to spec with what God is doing. Because I've come to realise that... uh, I'm somebody as a human that needs constant realignment. And I know my wife would say a loud amen to that. But we as humans have this tendency to drift and to get out of alignment. But the kingdom of God works inside out. And we need to be encouraged that we can't fix it with our own strength, but we can align to the kingdom of God and see the wonder of His power working through us. You know, when I was a boy, I used to love little car sets. And one particular Christmas, I think it was, I got a Scarlettric set for my Christmas present. And it was only one of those tracks. In the old days, you didn't buy an Xbox, you got the real thing. And you could start with just a little track that didn't have much to it. But I was so stoked. I was one of eight kids and to have that kind of present. And I knew a lot about it because I'd been looking at them in shops and reading up on them. But uh, And I realised the cars I had were not that overpowered they were the cheap ones but what happened is this plastic track had a little guide lane where the car would have a stick that kept it on the lane and then on the outside there were two pickup points they were made back then out of tin and so they would be powered up through the transformer and as long as the car had clean contacts on the tin it could go fairly fast And of course, as you advanced, you got more tracks and then you had curves and you'd put up kind of the fences on the curves and I was always racing. The problem was, if you went too fast, the car would spin and lose some of its contact. And so you would have to realign the car to get the power source. In fact, I moved from that and I joined a club where they had this big, big track about the size of the stage and you could upsize your car constantly and I was known as one of those speed people. I never do that these days. But there was power in the car. The problem was, again, there was always this fine line line of if you went too fast, the car would move sideways or flip off the track and then you had to leave the controls, run, put the car back on, make sure it was sitting in the right direction and then you could empower it again. See, this whole series is that we're not taught really the values that often that cause our life to gain momentum. In our world, it's kind of like, you just do whatever you want. If you want to go fast, if you spin off, it's all the same. And yet God says, no, there are kingdom values and those kingdom values enable personal freedom. In other words, when you begin to understand that God's got a way to create lasting freedom, but that lasting freedom operates within these divine boundaries. And you begin to realise, hey, my life really can gain traction. You know, there are all kinds of boundaries that are needed in life. Uh, In our family, we have a difference of opinion about the value of pets. I don't know if you would agree with me, but you could split the church almost 50-50 into dog lovers and those that think, yeah, we'll just live with them. Well, we've had a few dogs in our family and, uh, you know, one of the dogs we had, see, I, I, I'm, a, I'm somebody that says, well, how does this work? And I discovered pretty early on that dogs find security within a pecking order. They need to know who's boss. 
Come on, you, you should be responding here tonight. I, otherwise, I'm moving to south. It's kind of like, it's like you know, some people are cat lovers, dog. Well, dogs need to know who is the boss. And when they know that, they find security. Whereas somebody who's totally enamored with a dog goes, we're just going to let the little puppy do anything. But how many know little puppies don't say fluffy little puppies all the time? And before you know it, and so one of the dogs we had, you know, we had certain things. For me, it was like, yeah, I can accommodate a dog as long as it's a smart dog. And as long as it's a well-trained dog. Anybody with me on that? It's kind of like, as long as they do what they're told, that's okay. But, you know, one of the things was, come on, I'm not having the dog on my bed. And I'm sorry if that offends you, but stick around here long enough, I'll find something else to offend you with anyway. And it's like, we're not having the dog. And I would come home from a trip where I was serving God on the mission field. I was going without food. I was working my guts out. And I'd come home and I'd say, what's all the fluff on the bed? And I'm not throwing anyone under the bus because I'm not telling you who had a passion for a dog in our house. But it was kind of like, yeah, well, you weren't here. But I said, but the dog won't know where the boundaries are. It was interesting that that dog in the end ended up with a condition and the condition was not a good condition. It was called separation anxiety disorder. So this dog had to get on pills for separation. (laughs) Come on, separation. What was it? Anxiety disorder. And I I just mentioned to someone in my family, we've got to watch how we understand the dog world because our dog actually thinks it's a human. You know, us humans, we don't understand that there are tracks. There are principles, there are fundamentals, there are core values. That God says, this is how you discover a God that can step into your life and create momentum and turn things around. And we've looked at two of them so far. One was people are our priority. What a week for us to stand up, come on, despite differences and go, we're here for you. We want to reach people that are in, again, a a darkness that they never expected to be in. Not only that, that worship is our wisdom that we have discovered, God says, as you exalt me in the middle of your storm, you're going to rise higher and higher. Today, I want to talk about the third of these incredible boundary markers, these values, and it is that partnership is our privilege. It's kind of like I talk to some Christians and say, oh, what do you have to do? You don't have to do flipping anything. But when you move into realising that God designed you to partner and that there is a privilege for you to be able to partner with the speaker when it gets quiet and you can actually make the speaker be able to get into more of a flow because you can just lean towards and go, hey, great, I'm a dog lover, but I'll forgive you. But this whole thing of partnership is our privilege. It's kind of... Years ago, it dawned on me, I get to make an eternal difference. So you're a Christian, talk to a non-Christian. You're, you're a Christian, you have to give, do you? It's all this giving stuff you have to do. No, you don't have to do anything, but I get to create eternal kingdom in the hearts of people. I, I'm a part of creating Christmas boxes that let somebody know there's value. I, I was able to do something with the tragedy in Christchurch so the families that may never know my name felt like somebody cared that's bigger than their own community. I, I get to see heaven come through my life here on earth and have an echo that goes generationally. I get to make a difference. Why? Because I realise that partnership strengthens 
and accelerates accomplishment. And I get to do that. And, and tonight I'm speaking to all of us at life and I'm just saying, are you a partner in life? Or, or are you living individualistically? Are you living on your own? Michael Jordan, the great basketball player, I love this quote. He said, talent can win a game, but it is intelligent teamwork that takes out a championship. In other words, your talent can do a lot for you, but if you come together with other people committed to partner, then we could turn New Zealand around. We could turn our universities around. We could begin to say, we're not alone. We've got heaven waiting to see if we will be this conduit of kingdom that could turn things around this week. For years, our prayer has been, God, would you bring the church of New Zealand together? For 27 years, we've been up and down the country and there have been times where I'm thinking people don't want it, they just wanna do their own thing. But again, this week, I was so encouraged, Marie and I, with other of the apostolic leaders around our country coming together for two days. Not just a lunch, but two days. And what we're there to do is build relationship and to exchange great ideas, to have church health, to honour each other, to talk about how, what's working, what's not working. And you might not see that as a big thing, but collectively, if we were to partner in this nation, this nation could be a reflection of the kingdom that could go globally. And sometimes I think our lives are just about ourselves. In fact, this week we talked about why don't we take open heaven if we're willing, not just into Auckland, but right through the nation. I had two pastors say to me, you know, Paul, I need to talk to you because we've been thinking about coming to Auckland sometime. What do you think about that? I said, come. What do you need? Come on, we need so many different soil types and different reflections. Some of us have been told a lie that you, you're gonna find your security in just protecting your little wee place. I love to fish, as a lot of you know, and it's like, you know what? Would you tell me your fishing spot? Of course I'll tell you. Why wouldn't I tell you my fishing? Well, then everybody would go and get your fish. Don't you realize 70% of the water's never been discovered? And I got a direct link to the Creator? So I just begin to say, God, where are the fish today? Come on, you lead me. Sometimes He answers, sometimes He doesn't. But it's kind of like, we're gonna change. Hey, we're in this for partnership. Can somebody get excited tonight? Up at North, get excited. Come on, online, get excited. It's like... God doesn't want you to feel alone. Somebody just grabbed me and I'm not saying anything, but they just grabbed me this morning and they said, oh, I, I'd love to partner. I want to partner, but I feel so ashamed. I said, all you need to do is find people that you can trust that can help you. You don't have to be perfect to partner. You can say, I'm in process of dealing with some of the stuff and I've taken the lid off and I'm open about it and now I'm partnering my way to victory. Come on tonight. I wonder if you're a part of a team. I wonder if you've understood or maybe tonight need to be realigned in partnership. It's an interesting scientific fact that if you observe geese flying, they fly collectively in partnership. They create a V formation. And scientists tell us that geese have inbuilt in them a design that if they fly in partnership, if they fly in V formation, that they will be able to at least 
fly 71% further than flying on their own into the headwinds. All they're gonna do is flap. And as they flap, they create an updraft for the goose that's part of the geese behind them and they fly together and they achieve. Did you realise that God created you not to fly out of formation? It's like, well, I'm happy to come along as long as I can keep my own little square and, and I can do it and I can control it and I can have all of the say. And it's like, no, 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 no. You see, even in formation, there's challenge because the head goose with the other geese is flying and flapping and the two behind are going. And and then when that head goose gets tired, you know what? People don't say, well, what's wrong with you? Somebody says, I'll take the lead. And as the other one takes the lead, there are other goose geese that are there in the back and they're honking and they go, go for it, bro, we're with you. Come on, we're back in you. And when you get tired, we're ready to take the lead and we'll take the headwinds for a while and we'll keep at it and we'll keep doing it. And, and so there's this honking of encouragement. Trouble with the church is we've got a lot of honking. But it's not the kind of honking that should be. It's like, well, you shouldn't do that. I don't like that. And if you keep doing that, I'm out of here. No, 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 fly formation. Come on, begin to fly formation because this partnership is gonna begin to change. You don't point the finger, you flap. What are you doing this week? I'm flapping for the person behind me. Come on, I'm honking for the person in front of me. Not the kind of honking I'm hearing from you, by the way. I'm somebody that's gonna cause there to be a lift into the things of God. And then what happens is when one of the the geese gets sick, do you know what? And can't fly. It drops to the ground and two others drop out of formation. And they say, we're here. Come on, we're gonna find the right answer. You're gonna have to take some time and we're gonna stay with you. You're not alone. And then a strength begins to come and says, let's fly. But where's the family gone? Oh, they've taken off. They're honking. Can't even hear them honking, but they are somewhere. And it's like, oh, look, there's another family coming. Let's join them. They get up and get into formation. And then they catch up their family. Get this. And they begin to fly again with strength. I wonder tonight how many of us are out of formation. And it's like, God, I I need you to help me. I hope they have an altar call. I wanna tell you flying formation will give you a lot more healing than an altar call. It's gonna begin to shift you into this place of partnership. That's why here at Life, you'll always hear about next steps because you just gotta get in and say, oh, I've done it and I'm still not in formation, do it again. Come on, some of us have to do the same class at school a hundred times before we even get close to getting the right result. It's like, just get in, but nobody followed me up, get in formation. Come on, Paul writes, the Apostle Paul, and he understands what it's like to live without. He lived in shame, he was crucifying the Christians of the day. and He didn't have a good scorecard, but he meets, Jesus has an encounter in Ephesians chapter four and verse one, I love this. This is how he writes, I therefore, I'm a prisoner of the Lord. That's who I am. And I beseech you, I, I, I'm talking to the church in 2019, I don't know what she looks like, but I'm saying to you, when you're in this individualistic world where you can just have relationship on a screen and You can hide behind everything you wanna hide behind. I beseech you, would you walk worthy of the calling with which you were called? 
Well, would you be somebody that gets active in the things of God? You know, as early as I can remember, people say, wow, it's amazing to see what God's doing. And I say, it hasn't even begun yet. You, you wait the next three to five years, we are gonna, we already are, but we're gonna be completely out of control. And I'm asking every one of us to get a kind of a different attitude. Oh, I go to life, it's a cool building, cool people, cool music, cool. I don't care if it's cool or it's hot. Because today they both mean the same. Are you a prisoner? Not of the old stuff, but I'm flying formation. I'm here because the verse goes on in verse 16. From whom the whole body joined and knitted together. Well, I don't feel connected. It's your problem. Come on, you might not like me if you're hearing me for the first time, but I'm going to help you. Well, I don't go to church. I'm just an onliner. Well, that's okay to start there, but that's not where you end up. From whom the whole body joined and knitted together. How? By flapping. By what every joint supplies. If you're not bringing something, I'm not sure partnership is really working. According to the effective working by which every part does its share. All of us. So when you think about partnership tonight, just very quickly, some thoughts come to mind about what partnership entails. The first is this, is that partnership always resets purpose. You, you can't enter into a new partnership without adjusting your purpose. It won't work. Oh, look, we bumped into these people and they're in business, we're in business, we're gonna start a partnership. Well, you've got to learn some things that if this partnership has got longevity, it's gonna have a resetting of your purpose. People have said to me over the years, if I only could get married, it will all be different. And I go, yeah, it's really different. Because you can't go into marriage the way you lived your individual life. Come on, hear me. It's like some of us is going, well, why is my Christian walk so hard? You're out of formation. And that formation brings you to a place where you've got to activate an agreement and say, okay, we're in this together. People say, well, you know, I don't feel like connected to the church. Well, relational glue needs to set. And the setting is when you determine why you're there. That's why Amos chapter three and verse three says these words. Can two walk together unless they be agreed? The answer is no. Unless people come into life and go, you know what? We agree with the vision here. We're not just here for an environment. We're here to make a difference, partnership. That's a privilege. We're, we're privileged to be able, when, when parents are going, hey, listen, we're committed even in the time with kids and because partnership, it's a privilege. We, we're, we're these conduits of eternal echoes that are making a difference, but can two work together unless they be agreed? The word agreed is not just a suggestion. It's where people fix upon an outcome. The literal meaning is to be betrothed. It's like, it's not just a good idea, but we're in this thick and thin. We're in this up and down. We've got a whatever, wherever, whenever attitude. It's kind of like, we're just, we're just all in and we've reset our purpose. Can you imagine what could happen in Auckland and in Aotearoa if even here at Life, everybody that says, okay, this is my home. This is where I'm putting my roots down, began to say, okay, it's a privilege to partner here. 
Come on, Jesus taught, okay, well, if you feel like it's a burden, don't do any of it. You need to realise you're privileged to walk with the plan of eternity working through your veins. You're privileged to have a whatever, wherever, whenever attitude that you can step up and say, hey, I'm partnering, I'm betrothed, I'm a prisoner. Oh, you're just overcommitted. Well, Paul was pretty overcommitted. He saw his commitment to Christ as living within predefined boundaries. See, partnership, secondly, realigns independence. Believe it or not, we've got a lot of independence. Happy to do it as long as I'm happy to do with it. It's kind of like Kiwis, especially in the earlier years where we couldn't travel so easily. We were a small country off the side of the earth, and basically, if it needed an answer, we would find an answer. We'd become a great pioneer. The problem with that pioneer spirit is we became very independent. 27 years ago, when we started... Life as we know it today, it's kind of like, I couldn't believe the independence. People going, well, I'm happy to do it, just I don't want anybody to ask me to do it. I'll do it if I want to do it. It's like, well, you can understand Paul was a prisoner. Come on. Wouldn't it be good? That's why I love going to Asia, by the way. Asia understands leadership. And it's like, okay, if, if that's it, we're in. We, we're going to work together to make this. And it deals with that spirit of independence. Independence breeds isolation. And isolation breeds kingdom division. And so there is so much in it that we need to realize that the enemy wants to divide to weaken, whereas we're going to say, no, we're not going to live divided. We're living. Even the key leaders, again, we are not going to be known as we know for what we're against, but we will be known what we're for. And if we get picked on, we're all standing together. It's kind of like you're not just picking on a part. You're picking on there's a big group of New Zealanders that have a faith in a God. Believe in the power of a resurrected Savior. Have the Bible as their base to living. Come on. And again, we can be taught all kinds of things. And we're not going to argue or war it the way the enemy wars it. But we are going to build what God has given to us. And we've got to do that collectively. Maybe you are a little bit more independent than you think you are. Because you find it hard to fly in formation. You, you're the kind of person, and, and it's a characteristic of our human nature. You always have to have the final say. You commit when it's your terms are met rather than committing to the purpose that God wants. There's a struggle with flexibility. I love this verse or I'm challenged by it. Excuse me. Proverbs 20 and verse six, it says, most people proclaim each his own goodness, but who can find a faithful man? Hmm. See, to be called faithful means that you've carried something that belongs to someone else. You can't have faithfulness just on your own. A faithful person carries and has entrusted something that belongs to God, belongs to someone else. Can you imagine what it would look like if the church was known as faithful people? We've had meetings with the government with some great ideas and they love what we're saying. They said, yeah, but the problem is we've had Christians here before. They talk big, but then they don't follow through. And I wonder... Tonight, come on, we're in church and I wonder whether God is saying, hey, do you realize that independence is a lack of honor? That actually we've got to be people that are realigning our independence to honor because self always seems to know better, but God knows best. The third thing about partnership is partnership resolves conflict. <laughs> you can't get into partnership. And as I said, I'm not telling you in our family who loves dogs and who doesn't. 
But how many know you wake up to the reality once you're in partnership that we think different? We like different. And I'm always weary of people say, oh, our marriage has just been all beautiful from day one. It's like, really that beautiful? Maybe I did something wrong in the former life somewhere along the way because it's kind of like, this is challenging. No, partnership includes conflict. Well, I'm not in church because something upset me. You don't understand what partnership's all about. You only have to partner to get close to people. Come on, go on holiday with a friend for too long. And you go, I thought they were my friend. But come on, they, they, they want to get up early every flipping morning. I want to sleep in, it's holiday. People are married, buying a house. I like high ceilings, I like low ceilings. It's kind of like, I like that kind of dog. I like that kind of dog. It's, just, it's all like that. But the Bible teaches us that we've got to realise, hey, let's press through conflict. How many have gone? I, I feel one of our values is communication is our commitment. Why don't we talk things through rather than give up on things? If you're a partner, then you're going to go, well, you know, I heard this. Well, who'd you hear it from? They said, who's they? Everybody's saying, are they? Come on, let's search that out. Conflict is what the enemy uses to separate, create independence. But we're here saying one of God's values is that partnership is a privilege. But if you want a partner, you've got to be prepared to talk it through, not to a third party, but back to the source. Come on, I'm trying to help. It's kind of like all of us. A group becomes an effective team when we become secure enough to praise the differences in someone else. It's like, yeah, I, I'm a leader, so I'll deal with differences quickly. But equally, I see the wonder of difference and the challenge that that brings. The fourth is that final one is partnership requires responsibility. Can you imagine, and here's my thing is, can you imagine if we got this V formation, this flying formation thing happening so that we're all in? Come on, the flap is releasing others' potential and something is happening. I, I'll never forget, I've mentioned this before, but I was in the US winter and uh, I was doing a men's camp for a church and there was another speaker, two of us. He was uh, a Navy SEAL or in the military high up. and So he used a lot of those analogies. But I'll never forget what happened in his session. He took us out to the snow and he said, I want to do something different. And he started to talk about the fact that you've got to be real. And he said, if there are men here that have constantly been battling something and can't get a breakthrough, I want you to step out to the front. So there was a number of men that came and some of the men were not little. American food, you can eat a whole lot of that sometimes. And they weren't small and they were standing there. And he says, now we're gonna go two miles to our next destination where I wanna share the second thought. But I'm saying to these men, you're not gonna walk there, we're gonna carry you. I looked at the men I looked at the rest of us and they were all seeming to just get a little quiet because there was a message on partnership. They weren't making it obvious, but they were shuffling back. Till a few of us left and I saw the biggest guy said, well, come on, whatever, wherever, whenever. So I went with five others, there were six of us and I've got to be honest, we strained to lift him. And I'm thinking there's two flipping miles. 
So we began the journey and other men pick up other men, but there's a whole group that weren't engaged. Maybe there wasn't room, but I was thinking, they'll tap me on the shoulder about 10 meters into this and say, can I change up? Can I take the point? Honk. Thank you. But nobody took the point. Literally, my arms became none as we carried this guy for two miles, but there was a lesson he needed to understand that we weren't going to let him down. And that was one of the rules. You couldn't let his feet touch the ground to show him that he needs others like all of us need partners. Come on, I'm talking tonight. We're in a world where we can point the finger and say they shouldn't be like that, they shouldn't be like that, but we need carriers. We need flappers. Come on, we need formation. We need a sense where we're in to see the faithfulness of God, so few carry the responsibility out of a constraint that says, I'm in this, whatever it means. All of us can sit under the shade of a tree that somebody else planted the seed for and watered and believed in. I was 10 years old and on our black and white movie screens, come on team, come and join me. They showed us man stepping on to the moon for the first time. And as a 10-year-old boy in that little sort of picture that wasn't that clear, it's like we were all in anticipation. One small step. What was it? For man, one giant step for mankind. We clapped as their foot touched the ground, only to discover afterwards there were 400,000 people collectively that flew formation to see that event take place young people don't ever no matter what your parents have been like ever ever point the finger and say they did nothing everything has a role and we realize we don't always have good families but when we allow the good to come alongside miracles begin to happen there was one lady she was the seamstress she put 21 layers of cloth together to make their suits so that they could be protected in an environment that was foreign. 400,000, imagine. Come on, if we took the responsibility. You see, I think for the church, this is our stand. We don't even take offerings in the church. We'll teach people what the Word says. And, you know, the media says, oh, you're one of those churches, you have to tithe. We don't have to do anything. But we realize but responding with our first tenth to God we bring His sovereignty into our world. And a lot of us can't even trust that there's a God that when we fly in formation, fly with the key things in order, miracles begin to happen. And so again, you get to choose your flight pattern, but it'll always be hard on your own. But you come into that place and be things be, miracles happen. We're able to do something, I believe, through the generosity even of this weekend. Come on, for those families, say somebody cares. Let's believe we're going to be a church one day where $100 million a year are going into community need. Let's believe we've got the answer for foster kids. Let's believe we can do it. You go, yeah, well, we're praying for that. You're going to have to pray and have responsibility. Faithfulness is tested in our finance. The Bible says, if you can't be trusted in your finance, who would give you eternal riches? It's kind of like our time, our talents. Oh, well, you know, I'm so busy. Did you realize that every talent, every gift you've got has been given by God? How much of the kingdom is affected by your gifts? 
outside of your own world. So you can enjoy life, you should, and enjoy the flavour. But there are people that are saying, is there a God? Can somebody help me? And I'm believing that we're gonna be a church that's not just enamoured with self. We're gonna be a church that's flying formation. It's making a difference in lives. It's got an ability to trust the God that can be trusted, the God that is in control of everything. And I look and I just pray that every one of us would get that understanding. You see, who we trust determines who we empower. Or you could put it like this, what you trust determines what you empower. Trust finances, then you empower finances to dictate your future. Trust God, then He unlocks, gets you in formation, fly further, more effective. There are hundreds of millions of people going, is there a God? There's kind of got to be something. Look at the world. Let's have a look at Marina's story. She talks about how God people who were partners created an environment to make a difference. What I start noticing is that men would frequently visit our little home and my mom would lock us kids in a living room. Our home turned into a brothel. and My mom selling her own body to provide for her kids. Uh, looking around, everything was so hopeless. Most people that I knew lived in such a brokenness. Home wasn't safe, streets were not saved, and I knew it was only in a matter of time before I ended up in the same situation as my mom was. I uh, planned it all out. I wrote my mom a letter, and as I was going from school home to commit suicide, uh, a friend of mine invited me to church, and my first response was, oh, what is church? Because I was growing up in a Muslim country in a very secular home. I had no concept of Christianity or church, but something within me just drew me. And as soon as people on the stage start singing, I broke down in tears. So I fell madly in love with God. I fell madly in love with Jesus. And that didn't go well with my family, with my mom, and it's resulted in me being kicked out of the house. So I was 14 at that time, and um, I uh, ended up living on the streets. The pastor of the church uh, took me in, and his wife, um, uh, later on told me that God actually spoke to her and said, this little girl, uh, you have to take her in. The source of my pain, now actually the area of my strength, the place where I can meet with people who've been through that and serve them and provide hope and show them that, hey, I also thought that there was no hope. There is actually so much hope. So cool. Did you hear what she said? Because people flew in formation. The source of her pain now has become the foundation of her strength. There are people here tonight in every campus online and you've been flying solo for too long. God's just saying, come on, come back. Get the core values. I used to play a lot of soccer and I loved it when our team got the jerseys where your name was on the back. 
kind of made you feel pretty significant. But I had to learn pretty quickly that too many people are not playing for the team. They're playing for their name on the back. And I just pray that the church in our nation, come on, in a time of crisis and a time of victory, we're going to be known as people that are flying together for a greater purpose. Because partnership is a privilege. One day we will all stand before God and God will say, what did you do with the talents I gave you? And you'll go, oh, I was just so busy. I always said, when I get time, I need to realize that time is now. It's here now. I'll get to next steps when I can. I'll give when I, I'll do this. No, 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 fly formation. Because here now is the place where miracles happen. I want us as a church to begin to take time and say, okay, is worship my wisdom? Are people my priority? And is partnership my privilege? Because as we begin to partner, and I, I want to encourage seriously everybody to begin to partner. If this is not home for you, if you don't agree with the vision, get to a place where you agree with the vision. Put your roots down and build it. Now is the time where others can be changed. Amen. Father, we just pray that right across life, you'll cause all of us to begin to realize that this is not a place where 20% do 80%. This is 100-100, where we're all in. We're there. If we're in a need of help, then we break formation and we have other people helping us with our need. Apart from that, we're flying formation. And that's the point where we find victory, longevity, and we find an answer in partnership. In the name of Jesus, amen. We hope you enjoyed this podcast from Life. If you have questions or want to contact someone about this message, visit lifenz.org.